Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Jarrett Beach is a member of three separate bands from Lloydminster, Alberta. Ashes of Yggdrasil is a mellow death band who put out their debut album in 2021. Destroy My Brains is a sludge doom band who have released four full-length albums, including their latest in 2022. And Discard Itself is Jarrett's solo blackened doom sludge project, releasing both an EP and an album in 2021. He just released his latest single, I Like Suffering, on June 14th of this year. Today I am joined by Jarrett to chat more about his involvement in metal. Jarrett, it's great to see you again and thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me on here, Jeff. I had the pleasure of speaking with Rob from Ashes during the Loudest Hell Countdown and was able to catch up with you all at the fest. So let's start there for a moment. How was your experience and was this your first time at Loudest Hell? Uh, it wasn't my first time at Loudest Hell. It was my second time. But uh, this time here was crazy. It was totally crazy. The first time I went was two years ago, I believe, during their first fest back after COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really fun. Like, that was a good fest. But I think because of all of the COVID years and stuff like that, people were a lot less engaged compared to this last year at Loud as Hell. And it makes sense, too. I mean, there's still a lot of fear and uncertainty at that point. I noticed that they changed everything around compared to last year. And can you remind me, was it open air in 2021? Uh, Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, now I guess it's the third year that they've been doing that. I love the way that they changed the stage and they just opened everything up. It seemed a lot more efficient this time around. Yeah. It kind of surprised me how the stage was off to like the right hand side or whatever before it used to be right up against the, like, uh, the bay door on the, I don't know if that's like an arena or what exactly you call that building, but. Yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, and I've chatted with a few other people about this, but I mean, it gave a lot more shade. It allowed people to go into the merch area a lot smoother and it allowed for, I guess, more movement back and forth. And if you wanted to dip from one of the shows, you just kind of moved to the, I guess, to the back and it was super easy. I love the way they set it up, but I'm, I'm looking forward to next year already. Yeah. I'm like so pumped after this last year, after the hangover was gone, I was just like, Oh man, next year, I gotta be back next year for sure. Hopefully I get to play next year too. I don't know. We'll see, but either way, Either way, I'll be there anyway. Would you have a preference of who you played with, whether it be Ashes of Yggdrasil, Destroy My Brains, or Discard Itself? I would like to play with Ashes there again. Destroy My Brains, like, uh, is, I've, I've never seen, like, a Doom-style band play at Loud as Hell before. I don't know if there even never has been one. But, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a little bit scary being the total black sheep, the odd man out. But we're kind of used to it because we're there's not too many doom bands around this area anyway. So I don't know. No, I mean, there's not many bands from up in Lloydminster anyways. How long of a drive is it from Lloyd to Drumheller? Um, I think it took about four and a half hours, maybe five hours, four and a half hours, I think. That's manageable. Yeah, it was not too bad. The drive home was a lot worse, though, because I was pretty, <laughs> pretty fuzzy. <laughs> Yeah, especially after cleaning up and you kind of have that depression set in that you're just like, oh, this was such a wicked spot for the past few days, great yeah. memories. And then everyone's like throwing their garbage out and packing up their tents. You're like, can I just stay a few more days? Yeah, we had to pack up. I brought a uh, inflatable pool. I just left it for Rob to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you again for the CD. It was really humbling to have you reach out and chat with me during that time. And it, again, thank you for signing it. I haven't put it in a frame yet, but it'll be on my wall here soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem, man. Jumping into music, when did you actually join Ashes of Yggdrasil? 
Uh, it was pretty near the start of when uh, Rob, Ty, and Brett formed that project. Must have been, I don't know, years. I don't really keep track of years too much, but it must have been five years ago, probably, somewhere around there. So pretty much just before COVID then. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere kind of maybe a, a year or two before that, probably, hmm. more or less. You've also been a member of Destroy My Brain since 2014, if I'm correct, as a guitarist and vocalist. So refresh my memory, you were one of the original members, right? Yeah, me and uh, the drummer of that band, Jaden Pollock, we kind of yeah. used to, we're both from North Battleford originally in Saskatchewan, and uh, I left I left North Battleford for work because there was no work around there, and I was out working in the oil field and stuff like that. And I had previously jammed with like Jaden and stuff back in Battleford when we were like pretty young, like teenagers and stuff. And uh, so I already knew of him. And then I heard that his older brother had gotten him into oil field work. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get him working with me. I'm going to get him to live at my house and I'm going to snake him as a drummer. And that's what I did. <laughs> and because uh, he's killer, like super creative. He's a phenomenal drummer. And uh, we just, we never really formed a project right off the start we were just jamming just doing like freestyle jams we never even bothered writing anything or doing anything and then uh one day we were out in my garage and we were out having a smoke there and uh Jaden's like we should actually turn this into like a real band and uh I was like okay well let's do it and he's like what should we be called and I already had like the name destroy my brains I wanted for a band for like a really long time and I was like, let's call it Destroy My Brains. And he was just like, sure. And that was it. <laughs> nice. And the rest is history then. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty simple. And so if I heard you correctly, basically you guys sort of knew each other back in North Battleford, but the move to Lloyd Minster wasn't planned with each other or communicated at all. It was just kind of by chance. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like had moved up here for work or whatever. Like I was living up here and then, uh, yeah, like I said, he was, uh, I heard that his brother had got him into oil field work and I was like, well, better come on up here. Cause I'll show you how to show you how it's done. And then, yeah. Cause basically I just wanted him to come and drum for me. I didn't really care about work. <laughs> <laughs> so you were already into music by the time you moved to Lloyd Minster. So where did your journey in, met in music start? When did you first get start getting into metal and what drew you in? Um, so I first got into music in general my dad used to play guitar when I was a kid. Well, he he played guitar for probably his whole life. I don't know. So I always grew up around someone playing guitar. And, uh, but he was into like playing like kind of like country bluegrass kind of stuff. He wrote a lot of his own stuff. Um, and he tried to show me like a bunch of chords. And he used to have this old, really shitty Nelson acoustic guitar. And the action on the guitar was like the neck must have been bent back. Like he must not have knew anything about working his truss rod or anything like that. And the action was so high. He was trying to teach me chords and my fingers weren't even strong enough. Like I could barely push down the strings and it would feel like it was cutting my fingers. And I was like, this sucks. Like I don't want to play guitar. And then uh, when I was probably, I don't know, maybe like 13 years old for my birthday, my parents had bought me, one of those really shitty, like beginning, beginner, like acoustic or not acoustic, um, Fender Squire beginner packs. It comes with a little tiny combo amp and like a Squire Strat guitar and like a guitar chord. 
and uh yeah i started playing on that and like i sucked but i don't know i wanted to be a rock star so i just kept at it and i never ever stopped and uh i slowly started getting into like more heavier stuff when i was growing up it used to be like all about new metal and stuff like that because that's what was on tv for metal music basically in the I guess it would be early 2000s and stuff like that. And uh, I was into that, mostly like White Zombie and like Corn and Limp Biscuit and stuff like that, even though that's kind of embarrassing. And then uh, I heard the band Sepultura. And basically right after that, that turned me on to way more heavier style, like thrash and stuff like that, and got me into what I would consider to be way more better type of metal music. Yeah, and that's kind of where that all began. It's interesting how people start their journeys in metal because you start to think, like like you, I got into new metal, so it was like Slipknot, Mudvayne, Corn. I thought that was like the heaviest stuff that I've that could be possible, and then I started hearing things like Cannibal Corpse and obviously everything else. But it just, I could not understand how it got heavier than Slipknot, for example, and it, I was just drawn in instantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the uh, Slipknot Iowa album when Iowa came out. Oh, it was, it was just like, holy fuck, like this this is heavy stuff. Like this is nasty. And it was. It, it still is. Like that is a pretty heavy album. But then you get into Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that and Deicide and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, this is like pure like Satan music. Like this is the shit. I remember buying that Iowa album and just going through the pictures and it was so graphic and so intense i didn't actually think that that kind of thing could exist without some form of like i didn't realize that it wouldn't be censored if that makes sense yeah like, how do you let a 13 year old kid or a 12 year old kid go and buy this but whatever. <laughs> yeah that was a pretty that was a pretty nasty that was a very aggressive album like because it's still if you i listened to it actually a little while ago just to see what it was like and i was still just like oh yeah this this is still like pretty nasty stuff in your opinion what sets metal apart from other genres in terms of musicality and emotional impact um what sets it apart well obviously the guitars and the drumming and stuff like that and the vocals sets it way apart it's something totally different to uh, mainstream it's so aggressive and it can be all sorts of things i like really like hateful aggressive type metal music just because, I don't know, it just speaks to me and uh, gets me going, really. And, like, emotionally, I don't know, just for different people, different types of music just hits different ways, and metal music always just speaks to me. So I've always been just sucked right into it ever since I first heard, like, I don't even know what was the very first thing I ever heard. Probably I used to watch, like, Much Loud. I used to stay up real late and watch Much Loud on Channel 27. <laughs> And uh, I remember when I first seen like White Zombie and it, it was, I'm pretty sure like Thunderkiss 65 or something like that. And just his shitty growly uh, vocal or whatever. I don't know how you describe Rob Zombie's voice or whatever, but like, it's pretty crappy, but I liked it. I was just like, whoa, this is like the coolest. And I don't know. I've always been drawn to it. I don't know. I'd have to say that um, with Rob Zombie, I, I think I got into... So actually thinking back, I did get into metal a little bit earlier than expected. So um, when I was in elementary school, do you remember those? They were like much music mix CDs, yeah. if that makes sense. I can't, um, I can't remember what they were, but anyways, there was 
Oh, Big Shiny Tunes, that's what they were called. So Big Shiny Tunes 2 had Marilyn Manson on it, and then Big Shiny Tunes 3 yeah. had Rob Zombie, I believe. Yeah. And those two, like, I really loved, but I didn't under, I didn't realize there were more bands like that. And then in junior high, people started introducing me to those bands. So. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when, uh, what was it? I think it was The Beautiful People on Big Shiny Tunes 2. Yeah. I think that's what song was on there. And I don't remember the Rob Zombie song off the next one, but... It was probably it Dragula. Was Dragula. <laughs> it yeah. probably was. You know what? I still like those songs. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> I actually just revisited Linkin Park last night for the first time in ages. Oh, I yeah. I listened to the first two albums, and it hit, like Chester's voice is still killer. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they made they made their mark, for sure, on the on the scene back in the, the new metal days. And again, kind of like Limp Bizkit, it was kind of that rap rock thing. It was, it was quite unique from... From what i was used to yeah yeah i think lots of kids growing up like throughout the 90s and then getting into music late 90s and early 2000s and stuff lots of people were like into kind of like rapping and stuff like that and then some of the heavier stuff started coming out and becoming more mainstream they'd have it on much music and stuff and then when new metal hit the scene it was just like a mix of like rap and like metal or whatever so drew so many people in and I think tons and tons and tons of people got into metal music because of new metal, even though it's got a bad name. <laughs> people, people think it's crappy or whatever because it's new metal or whatever, but I, I don't, I still like tons of that stuff, but I grew up on it. It definitely has its merit. It, it's more accessible. It was easier for people to get into because it blended with other genres and it wasn't so intense, like something like cradle of filth or cannibal corpse or DSI, like you mentioned earlier. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the gateway, and if you open the gateway, there's tons of stuff behind it. Totally, I'm still learning of bands that have existed for decades, and it's it's crazy. It just seems like there's no end to the talent pool. Oh, it just goes on and on, and music is starting to get totally insane. Like with the with people's like drumming and guitar talent, it's kind of getting almost unattainable it feels like trying to keep up to some of these guys like i don't even bother trying i just play like slow doom riffs <laughs> <laughs> hey you're still doing a lot better than me i i haven't touched a guitar since probably grade five and i did it oh, for yeah. <laughs> like, i maybe tried for maybe a month and said fuck it it's not for me <laughs> yeah leave it up to me i'll i'll cover i'll cover all the bases for you <laughs> So jumping back into your music, Discarded Self was originally formed in 2020. Was this at all conceptualized during COVID or was this something that you had planned prior? It was totally 100% because of COVID. So at my work, I do like the oil field construction and then uh, they were trying to get us to all wear masks at work and they were talking about getting needles to keep our jobs and stuff. And I was just like, nope. And I just sat at home i had worked for years and years and years and years non-stop in the oil field so i had a ton of money saved up and uh i was like i'm gonna finally take a break here like this is gonna be my holiday i'm gonna sit this whole covid thing out i thought it was gonna be like maybe like three or four months mm -hmm. but uh i sat at home for a, a whole year and during that year i was like okay well i'm here like by myself and no one's coming over or anything so I'm going to start recording some stuff. And uh, I wrote the song. What was the first one? I think it was called I'm Weak was the first song that I wrote. 
And I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, I, I like this. This is kind of going somewhere. And I wanted to record vocals to it right after I had the guitar. And uh, everyone was sleeping upstairs in the morning when I woke up. I, that's when I wanted to record. And I was like, oh, I can't just like be screaming like total crazy in the basement while everyone was sleeping. So I kind of, when I'm practicing and I'm practicing in like a quiet voice or something, if I'm just trying to practice some vocals, I kind of do like a black medley like satiricon kind of voice like the one that he uses in black crow on a tombstone black crow on a tombstone kind of like that and i recorded the whole all of the vocals with that voice which wasn't the one i wanted to use i wanted to use like my crazy destroy my brains yelling and screaming type of vocals and uh but after i recorded it i kind of just got used to that black medley kind of voice and then when I went to go record final vocals, I was screaming it like crazy. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, this sounds like crap. And I was like, I think I just need to go with like the black metal voice. And I did. And I was like, this sounds like cool. And I've never tried doing that particular kind of voice before. So I was like, I'm going to do I'm going to write another song and I'm going to try these vocals again and see like if it's cool. And then I wrote um the song I Smell Pipes, and which turned out to be a really good song. I was just like, I kind of blew myself away. I was like, whoa, this is like, this is dope. And then when I recorded the vocals and listened back to it, I was like, holy crap, this is what I need to do. I need to make this, I need to make like a whole album of this. This is killer. And I got on the horn with uh, Jaden, uh, Rob and Brett, both from Ashes, but they they both can drum. Rob Rob is the drummer, but Brett can also drum. He's a really good drummer. And I got a hold of another friend of mine, BJ from Dolmer's Realm, another band from from pretty close to this area, who is a, an excellent drummer as well. And he drummed to the the song "I Smell Pipes." And yeah, right after that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I was just motivated because those songs turned out really good. And I recorded, I don't know, like maybe eight more songs. I think it was something like that. And yeah, they're all all different drummers. And yeah, I did all that during COVID in like one year, one, one year, I think it took me to put all that together. And I was going to release it. But uh I released one of the songs called Orbitoclast just on just sharing it on Facebook. And this guy um, named Piers who runs Cult Legion, which was like a Facebook group. They used to do lots of metal stuff. Um, he wanted to start a record label and he asked me if I would be his first band on his record label. And I was like, yeah, that's let's do it. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. And uh, he's, he never, ever was going to, like, make albums for me or anything like that, like, no physical copies, but he was going to use all of his connections and stuff like that and basically do free PR for me on that album. And he did tons of stuff. Like, I did, got so many, like, interviews and features and, like, um, online blogs and magazines and stuff like that. But, yeah, it turned out really good. And it was all, like, in one year during COVID, basically. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a lot of work. And I think it's really cool that you brought in multiple drummers for the same album. Like you have a different range of talent techniques as well as sounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like the most about it. Cause each song 
kind of does its own thing drum wise it's not uh so like exactly the same how lots of people they fit into their style or whatever and then your whole album is within that style but this one has like a lot of different waves to it so i thought i thought it was pretty cool you mentioned the facebook group cult legion and i've seen a couple posts like on twitter and with different usernames on say instagram or facebook and it's Cult is referring to black metal, but I'm not really sure the reference. Like, can you clarify that at all for me? Why is it? Um, I guess the a good example is when I saw a bunch of posts on Twitter. Is like, how do you represent cult? I don't quite understand it. Uh, it's just a black metal thing. Like, <laughs> it's kind of. I think it's more of almost like a meme kind of thing. Almost like people say, "Oh, are you cult enough to be in this black metal band?" And like, it's all about your corpse paint and the band shirt that you're wearing and like do you cut yourself and like how hardcore are you and are you cult enough for this like it's kind of i don't know it's kind of like it's i bet you some black metal people will get mad (laughs) because they probably think it's really serious to think if something's cult or not but i think it's more of a joke if anything and I'm, I'm assuming that that would come from like the the roots that um, sprouted black metal, like the church burnings, the murders, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, that that type of stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I think it is anyway. Like up up here in Canada, like there's not a lot, there's not a whole hell of a lot of black metal, so I don't have tons of black metal friends. <laughs> like T- Ty from Ashes, he's really really into black metal, like big time, and we just make fun of him all the time, saying how cult he is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that, that's about where it's at with me I, I don't know I think it's funny too because a lot of people have turned it into a meme like I, I've noticed that it's uh, from the people that I've chatted with it doesn't seem like it's a very serious thing but I can imagine some people getting super offended about it oh yeah like I've been to a lot of black metal shows and stuff when they go through I try to see as many shows as I can and uh, some of some of the fans that go to black metal shows they are extremely serious about their black metal music like big time (laughs) and like if you're not as down for it as them they like almost like shun you and think that you're a loser or something (laughs) that seems ridiculous but i i think that would be funny especially just to mess with them a little bit yeah i i personally don't care if they think i'm a loser so yeah (laughs) So as we've already touched on, you've taken a blackened approach to doom and sludge metal with some overall themes of pain, misery, the occult, rebellion, drug abuse, suicide, torture, among others. Considering such powerful and what most would consider to be negative themes, were these topics that you chose based on personal experience in addition to the movies you spoke on in previous interviews? Um, Lots of the topics I cover, I've gone through a lot of like uh, mental issues, like depressions and stuff like that and so i've had a lot of crazy thoughts and done some crazy things that i don't really want to talk about but uh lots of the songs i write are from slightly personal experience but i more or less use um the emotion and the feeling of what it was like going through those things and i just project it through the music i'm not necessarily writing my lyrics specifically about a personal experience for the most part but uh, I use where my headspace is at or was at during those times. And like, I don't know, the 
the depression and anxiety and like the hateful feelings and angry feelings and stuff like that. That's, I put it into the music lyric wise and that's more or less how that all goes. There is quite a few songs that are fairly personal or whatever that cover some pretty serious topics or whatever, but it's probably like 25 to 75, 25% serious personal songs and the other three quarters of it just pushing out like the emotion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was reading through some of your lyrics and one of the songs that kind of stuck out for me was Dance Upon the Dead because you reference a murder of someone very important to the narrator. And then reading through a previous interview of yours, you mentioned that those lyrics specifically were inspired by documentaries of serial killers. Other than yeah. personal experiences and, and maybe just your headspace, are there any other non-musical influences that make their way into your music? Uh, I actually do get a lot of like influences from uh, other music that I listen to. Like I'll listen to some other bands and stuff like that. And if a song like really, really hits me, I won't try to like copy the song or anything like that, but just the maybe a, a different emotion comes over me that maybe I haven't really quite covered before. And I'll be like, oh, and I use it as inspiration kind of. And I like using movies and stuff like that. I'll watch a crazy ass movie. And I'm like, oh, I should like kind of write a song and like loosely use my lyrics to kind of like write a story like dance upon the dead. I, I was watching tons of like, just, I mostly watch scary movies. Like that's mo mostly what I watch. And uh, I was watching, like you said, uh, serial killer documentaries and it just kind of hit me in the head. I was like, I should write this story about this serial killer that's on the loose and like kills your girlfriend or something like that. And that was kind of, that how that song went it was like a story that's that uh that song is like a story if you read the lyrics kind of and that's where that one was going where the serial killer's on the loose and then i was like kind of writing a story about how i was hunting the serial killer down trying to get him so i could do what he did to back to him or whatever it's was, it was kind of like a revenge kind of song totally and i think that's absolutely appropriate like i mean if if somebody close to me was murdered, then I would feel like I had kind of a responsibility to do that same thing, even though I probably wouldn't <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But I, th I think that's just a feeling that a lot of people would have. I can't even imagine that happening to, to someone close to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, I always think about that, like with my kids and stuff like that, if something ever happened to them or something like that, like I would be in an absolute unstoppable rage, I would imagine. Yeah. How would you come back from something like that? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you could. You mentioned depression, depression and anxiety and having to deal with those at different times in your life. So I know that we, you don't want to chat about the specifics, but what were some of the things that helped you get out of those slumps and deal with some of that adversity? Um, so, uh, when I was going through like some stuff and I, Basically, I hit like a really, really nasty depression when me and my first kid's mom broke up and I got really super heavy into alcohol, like big time. Like I was just drunk 24-7 almost all the time and it didn't make anything any better. And I was getting myself into lots of trouble and I was always continuously like going to the bars and getting into fights and it wasn't even to 
like beat someone up or something. It was mostly so that someone would like beat me up kind of like, I just wanted to get my ass kicked and get the shit beat out of me and stuff like that. I don't really, don't really know why, but that's what was going on. And the only thing that got me out of it was I ended up getting fired from my job because I went to jail for a little bit. And um, when I came out of it, I took a camp job up north and it was a dry camp. Like you couldn't do any drinking or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, I need to work at this job for as long as I can and just like stay away from booze and stuff like that. And I went up there and I was working with uh, like a bunch of these iron worker guys. They're like big, tough guys that just throw around huge hundred pound chunks of steel like all day long. And they're all taking like steroids and stuff. And they're like, want, wanted me to come to the gym with them. So I was going to the gym with all these steroid monkeys. <laughs> and uh, they even got me into it. I was, I even took steroids for a little while there. And, uh, but it was, it was better than drinking and being depressed. Like I actually felt good because I was like being healthy. And I know doing steroids isn't exactly healthy or anything like that. But I only did them for a little bit. And then um, I ended up quitting that job and then going back to Lloyd Minster or whatever. And when I went back, I kind of started sliding back into like booze and stuff again. Cause I'm just hanging out with all the same friends. And, uh, yeah, I started getting like pretty depressed and stuff like that again. And it was pretty tough. Um, the only way that I got out of that was literally just kind of training my own mind mentally to train myself out of it like train my brain to say i don't need to be depressed my life is good like i'm not a bad person even though i've done lots of bad shit or whatever like every, every everything's okay and like i can make everything better and uh like it took a long time but i actually trained my brain right out of it like i don't really even get depressed anymore because i just know that I feel like I'm stronger than that. I don't know. That's kind of where that's at. <laughs> no, that's pretty impactful. I mean, it takes a lot of self-awareness to understand what you're doing is wrong and it's obviously not benefiting you. To kind of go back and forth, it's difficult to get out regardless, but to have, like I said, that self-awareness, the emotional intelligence to realize that you are a good person and there are good things that are happening. It takes a lot of training and it's not just something that that's, comes easy to a lot of people. Yeah, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't an overnight thing. Like it took, it took probably a year and a half, two years of like slowly kind of working your way, working my way out of it basically until I feel like I kind of climbed over the hill and then it never really affected me anymore. But when I, when I see other people like friends and stuff like that or family members, they're going through it. I know how tough it is and I know not just anybody like I can say, oh, just train your mind to not be depressed anymore. Like that's not really how it works. I, I was able to do that, but you can't tell someone to do that. It's That's not going to help them, you know? They have to kind of figure it out on their own. Yeah, it's a simple concept, but it's it's not an easy roadmap. It, it's the same as if you want to stop drinking or doing drugs or if you want to start going to the gym. It's like, okay, just stop drinking. That's easy. But you can say it's easy, but having to go through with it or going to the gym consistently, showing up at work on time, if that's one of your problems, it's it's a simple solution, but it's really hard to change your habits and to change your mental thought process when it comes to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like the thought process. And if you are addicted to something or whatever, you can, Oh, people always say the same thing. I even say it to people like that want to quit smoking. I'm like, well, just don't go buy some smokes then. But then they'll see somebody smoking and they'll get a smoke from that person. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with like drinking, like, oh, well, don't go to the bar and don't go to the liquor store and buy some booze. But then all of your friends are going to the bar and all your friends are having parties and they're all drinking. You know what I mean? And you still want to go do stuff. You don't want to shut your whole life down. So it, I think stuff like that doesn't help. Like it kind of helps suck people back in all the time. And you got to be, you got to be stronger than it. You got, you got to be, I don't know, you got to, you got to defeat what's, uh, what's dragging you down. I think one of the biggest things is to realize the negative consequences and kind of feel shame for those behaviors to actually actively make a change in your life. Like I know that some of the problems I've had in the past, it, it took me a long time to realize like, Hey, what I'm doing is stupid. And regardless of at that time, how it seems like it would benefit me, what would it look like in the long run? Yeah. Oh, totally, man. I know we took a little bit of a diversion there. Jumping back into your <laughs> solo music, um, it's more challenging to complete everything on your own in part due to the fact that you don't have others with much input or to bounce ideas off of. How do you create a cohesive sound and aesthetic across an entire album or EP while maintaining diversity and variety within the songs? Oh, sorry. Can you say that one more time? The the mic totally broke up there. I don't know. <laughs> I hope I can say it again because that was uh, that was a long question. Um, yeah, I know, and it was just like <laughs> pop, 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 pop. it sounded all robotic. <laughs> so, as a solo artist, it's more challenging to complete everything on your own, in part due to the fact that you don't have others with much input or to bounce ideas off of. How do you create a cohesive sound and aesthetic across an entire album or LP, sorry, EP, while maintaining diversity and variety within the songs? I know you mentioned obviously different drummers. What other techniques do you have? Oh, for uh, like the solo thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that that is that's a tough question. Actually, I I don't really know. Um, whenever I'm writing stuff, though, if I'm writing riffs and stuff, uh, I always I'll write something and I'll like it and I'll make a song out of it. And I always try to make sure that the next song doesn't use the same like note the same kind of note progressions or anything like that i always try to whenever i'm making an album have each song use different notes and different patterns different timings um different bpms like some some songs i'll have like a fast song and the next one will be a totally slow song i don't know you just got to mix it up that's kind of how i try to keep things um, more interesting and for tying it together uh, when I produced that album I made sure that all of the guitars like I recorded every single guitar the exact same way like I even tried not moving my my cabs even or my mics for like for like months while I was recording I just tried to leave them there and like I got dogs and kids and stuff like that so like they would always get bumped and smacked and i just freak out i'd be like no but uh yeah if your guitar like usually with metal and stuff like that you want your guitars to all sound kind of the same or whatever but you want your your uh, melodies and your riffs to do different things so i don't know it's a little bit you're trying to make it different but you're also trying to make it the same or that's what i try to do anyway i don't know <laughs> 
it wasn't up until recently that I discovered or that I found out that the distance from the mic and things like the placement within a room actually affected the sound. But once I was, well, it was during a podcast episode. And once I actually thought about it, I'm like, well, that makes sense. It's something that is obvious, but if you don't think about it, you have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to mic placement, like on your cabs and stuff, um, if you place your mic badly and record it, your song is going to suck. Like you're not going to have um, bass dynamic. You're not going to have the proper treble. Like you have to have a good miking technique, even when you're sitting there doing like a podcast or something like that. Like you want to keep your distances under control. You don't want to be like all lean back and then going all the way in or, you know what I mean? It's the same thing like with your guitar tone. If you uh, move your, this is what I, how I understand it. So you move, if you are moving your mics further back, you end up actually getting more bass and less treble. And the closer you get to your grill cloth and stuff, you get a lot more treble and a lot sharper of bass. I don't know. It's kind of a hard thing to describe. It's interesting how a distance picks up different sounds. Like I can understand the sound bouncing off the walls or if you don't have the um, sound dampening, uh, I don't know, sponge type material, the foam. But yeah, that that is interesting. I never thought about like the, the actual levels based on the distance from the mic. Yeah, you can get totally different, totally different sounds by how you have your mics. Actually, I was recording some stuff here today and I tried like a different miking technique. And I was going straight onto the cab like this with one mic and then on an angle with the with the other mic. And I recorded it and it actually sounded pretty cool. I seen it on, uh, what was that guy's name? Glenn Fricker or something like that, Spectre Media Productions. Okay. He makes a bunch of videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And he was doing it. I think he was calling it the Clayman, the Clayman technique. I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's... Uh, what band is that? In Flames? Is In Flames did that? Or is it at the Gates? I don't know. <laughs> it, one of those two bands, they came up with that. Whichever, whichever one of those bands has the Clayman album. And I don't know. I just tried that miking technique today, but I don't know. I thought it sounded like crap. I'm just seeing if I can pull that up because I'm not terribly familiar. Oh, uh, it, looks like, it looks like In Flames. That's what's coming up here. In Flames? I think they got a new album coming out here too, actually. Yeah, so they do have, yeah, it is the Clayman with uh, In Flames. I recognize the cover, but I didn't know the name of the album. Yeah, so that particular album, they used that miking technique. And it was like a big thing. Like, everyone wanted to have that sound for a while. So I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people tried that miking technique. I think I did it wrong, though, because, like, it did not sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, were there ever any plans to incorporate other members or do you have other, or sorry, plans currently to incorporate other members into Discard itself? In Discard itself? I think it'll always just be, I'll probably never play any of that stuff live. Um, as for like other people, I'll, t I'll totally bring other people because it's just kind of like a recording project more or less. And uh, like, I'm totally open to bringing in like other guitarists and stuff like that who want to do like a solo or even play the riffs to the song or something like that. Or uh, I was talking with a couple of vocalists that wanted to like do guest vocals on some new discarded self songs. And I was like, yeah, that's, I'm totally down to do that kind of stuff. But for playing live, like I don't think 
I don't think I'll ever play that stuff live unless um, maybe it's with Destroy My Brains and we're just doing like a little one-off at a show or something playing like a discarded self song. But other than that, like it's it'll probably never happen with an actual band. I guess it's safe to say that Discarded Self is more or less your passion, passion project. Yeah, it's just a, a hobby type thing, really. Like, it was really cool. Like, that album turned out really good. And then I made another EP, just a little three song EP um, called Enter the Flames, a couple, maybe just a year later. And uh, yeah, but it's just a total recording project. It's not, it'll never be a band. Who did you work with on your logo? On the logo, um, who did the logo? Oh, the, the actual album art itself was from an Indonesian artist called Fahir M. That, that's, I don't know what the person's real name is or if that is their name, um, but that's, I just found them on Facebook. They were sharing like images of stuff that they made on some Facebook groups that I follow. And I seen... I seen it and I was just like, holy crap, like I need to buy that art. I buy a lot of art from uh, artists and stuff that share their stuff on the internet because I always need art for like my bands and stuff like that for singles and album covers and t-shirts, all, all sorts of stuff. So I'm continuously buying art. But I seen that the the art for that album with that like big demon monster. And I was just like, oh, that's... That's the one, like I bought that album art and it kind of also kind of half inspired discarded self and like how the music came about too. Cause I would like put the image up on my screen and I would just like stare at it and play my guitar. And I don't know. So I, it probably brought some influence out of me there somewhere too. And uh, for the actual logo itself with like the words discarded self, I hired this artist called the avenged creations okay and uh, he designed the logo for me and that turned out pretty dope i told him what i wanted and i could picture it in my head and when he sent me the image i was like you like he like read my mind i don't know how he did it it's pretty much exactly what i imagined it was going to look like so i've noticed you've also got some incredible artwork obviously for all of your releases up to and including your last single release this year titled i like suffering you mentioned that you buy a lot of different artwork from different artists, but one thing I noticed is that you have like a black and white theme and it's generally quite detailed. Are you going to continue on with that moving forward? Uh, so on the, I like suffering. I actually, that's the same artist that did the original art uh, from the, from the main album that Fay here M. Um, and he does killer stuff and it is really detailed. And I want to use that guy all the time. There's this other person that's totally into this guy's art. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but we kind of like, it seems like we like the same stuff. Like they here will put something out and you can just tell Like, I'm like, oh man, that's dope. Like I need that for like t-shirts or like an album or something like that. And this other guy sometimes scoops them and he buys them from the artist before I can get to them. And I'm like, ah, damn it. And it's almost like a competition because we, we both kind of like the same stuff. And he always buys like the ones that I don't get, he ends up getting. Yeah, I don't know. That guy's got my number. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of friendly competition. Yeah. He got one that was so cool. It was uh, this Grim Reaper type thing walking through this forest trail. 
but it was like the dopest, the dopest image. Like I was just like, Oh, I have to get it. And I messaged Thay here there. I was like, did you sell that one? He's like, I just sold it to, Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, whatever. My, my enemy, he sold it to my enemy. (laughs) Yeah. In working on three separate musical projects, how are you prioritizing them and how do you balance your time accordingly? Um, so, uh, ashes, we jam every single Sunday. So nothing goes on Sunday except for ashes. Like, unless I might do like a destroy my brains or something like that jam beforehand, but ashes is like every single Sunday at seven, we jam, we rarely miss, but, uh, ashes is kind of like my main priority because destroy my brains even though I love that project and everything, all of the members, they're all construction workers that work abroad, like in camp jobs and stuff like that. So we kind of just make that happen when we can. And lots of times we can't, we'll have like pretty long spells where like, we won't even, we won't even get a jam in or anything, which, which sucks. It's kind of depressing, but that's why destroy my brains used to be my main project. It used to be my only project but it was really up and down and wishy-washy with members being all over the place. And it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. I need to, I need to like make music like every week I need to be doing something. I just have to do it. And uh, when the guys asked me to join ashes and they were like, yeah, we're going to jam like every single week. I was like, yep, I'm in for sure. So yeah, ashes is totally consistent. Destroy my brains is really wishy-washy and, um we do it when we can and then discard itself is just in my spare time basically i just record stuff that's kind of the priority list i guess how it would go (laughs) kind of jumping back into personal life you've lived in north battleford and lloydminster at least from my knowledge how have you seen the presence and acceptance of metal change over time and i guess a maybe another question is does it seem to be following the same trend as in larger cities so more generally accepted however as a whole still underground and less popular than say edm country or hip-hop um so when i was a kid growing up um when i was in high school man just about everyone just about everyone in my friend group was loosely into like metal and stuff like that, like hard, harder, heavier kind of stuff. Everybody was. Everyone I used to hang out with, like we could just turn on like some acid bath or or sepultura or whatever, and like we would just listen to that all night and get drunk and party and stuff like that. And uh, I moved to Lloydminster, and there's like no metal here at all, like zero, none, except for. Uh, that Dalmer's Realm band, but they're not really from Lloydminster. They're more from like Elk Point and the Vermilion area, kind of halfway in between Lloydminster and Edmonton. And uh, it was really tough. I was up here wanting to play music all the time. And like, I couldn't find anybody to play with for years while I was up here. I was just making music by myself. And then that's when we were talking earlier of how I like brought Jade into Lloydminster for work and kind of tricked him to come and work with me so I could have someone to play music with. Uh, yeah. Then I finally had someone and uh, me and Jaden were j- jamming and we kind of made destroy my brains. And uh, yeah, when 
we started that, I didn't want to be the singer. I just only wanted to play guitar because I actually suck at playing guitar and singing at the same time. I'm like pretty bad at it, but I'm, I'm good at it now, but like I wasn't good at it before. And we really, really needed a singer and we couldn't get one. We couldn't get one. We couldn't get a bass player. Couldn't get anybody. It was just me and Jaden. We tried out a guy on bass. He was a bit of an older guy or whatever. And he didn't like the name Destroy My Brains. He wanted to be called Diesel Monkey. <laughs> and we're like, no, man. Like, that's. And he wanted to play like, uh, like, Aldo Nova covers and stuff like that. Like he didn't want to, he didn't want to play this hard, heavy shit that we were doing. So he didn't end, we didn't end up getting him in the band. He wasn't in the band and we recruited somebody back from Battleford where neither of us lived anymore, uh, named Jeremy Siri. And he joined bass. Like he came to one jam and he didn't know anything that we were doing or just like, yeah, this is the song that we're going to play. Just like kind of screw around and jam along. And we played like two songs and it actually sounded kind of cool. So we're like, yeah, man, like you can join the band. So he was our bass player for quite, quite a long time. And then, uh, he ended up, uh, going through some pretty hard life, life things that were happening with him. And he ended up dropping out of the band. Basically we just, he just ghosted us. We never really heard from him for about a year and destroy my brains kind of we were working towards trying to get to playing shows and stuff like that when jeremy was there but then he was gone so we kind of leveled back off and we were back to like just recording and stuff like that and i would record the vocals but we we're still looking for a bass player we were still looking for a vocalist couldn't find anybody and uh somebody who is in a rock band from lloydminster his name's chase he he took over for bass Cause he was like really into like punk and stuff like that and destroy my brains is like real doomy and sludgy, but it's also pretty punky and stuff. So he was totally into it and he kind of saved the band. And after uh, chase joined the band, we were able to play some like live shows and stuff, which was cool. Cause we never ever got to play any live shows with Jeremy because it was just all like drugs and alcohol the whole time. And it was, it wasn't going anywhere. Um, but yeah, after we got Chase, we were able to play some shows. And that band started going somewhere. And um, just from us playing music for a long time, we got to meet more and more people. And it, see, there's actually a lot of metalheads in Lloydminster, but people don't really come out of their houses very much um, and come and like do stuff very much. Um, so Destroy My Brains never really played very many like Lloyd Minster shows. But then when I joined Ashes, we started playing shows in Lloyd Minster. And that's when Lloyd Minster started like getting a little bit of a scene, like a, a bit of a crowd, the re like a bit of a regular crowd that would always come to all of our shows. Um, but as for bands, it's just literally destroy my brains and ashes in this town. There's no other metal bands or anything like that. So <laughs> we can't just, uh, play destroy my brains and ashes like every single weekend here or something like that. It'd be pretty boring. So yeah, we, we bring in lots of bands from like out of town and stuff. Yeah. It's gotta be pretty cool though. When somebody asks like, how's the metal scene in Lloyd Minster? And you can pretty much just say we are the metal scene. Yeah. It's just a couple people. <laughs> There's like a couple people, but lots of like fans, like lots of uh, people that like coming and watching us play and stuff like that, which is cool. 
but I wish there was more bands, but there, even though there's not, whenever we put on a show, like we usually kind of pack the place most of the time. So that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. 100%. Now I have only a couple questions for you left. Um, the first one is where did the name Fuzz God come from? The which name? Fuzz God. Fuzz God? Oh, I uh, started a Facebook page called the Unholy Tribe of the Fuzz God, um, where I would do like reviews and stuff like that on like doom metal and sludge metal and stuff like that. I would, uh, so I was like the, um, the administrator. I was the Fuzz God. And then I put that as my Facebook name. And then people like started calling me that, like actually calling me that when I, meet them and stuff at like concerts so i don't know it's just kind of like loosely kind of my nickname not a lot of people call me that but some people do i like it and it's definitely fitting considering the type of music that you play yeah i was totally into like really badly into guitar pedals i would buy so many guitar pedals but it was only fuzz pedals overdrives and delays mostly fuzz pedals at one time, I probably had like 50 fuzz pedals in my house. Jesus. So it was like, I was like the fuzz master. <laughs> <laughs> fuzz master and fuzz god. Yeah. And now yeah, that's where that came from. You obviously have like a wide range of, of musical tastes. So who are some bands that are on your current heavy rotation? In my rotation, um, I'm really into a band called Fistula. They're like a sludge band. And they are killer. Some of they uh, have been coming out with some newer stuff. They kind of changed their style a little bit into like uh, I don't know what you call it exactly, like noise, noise sludge, okay. where it's just really noisy and really chaotic kind of stuff. But I, I kind of like some of their older stuff. It was like a lot more like heavy and groovy, super duper heavy. But uh, I was really into. I've been really into that, and I've been listening to lots of older stuff lately um stuff that i've just been on a huge like tool kick i was listening to tool a whole bunch and Mudvayne, um really old crowbar i was listening to a whole pile of that but for newer stuff um i've been getting into and i haven't been into it in a long time and i've been getting really into like newer style like death metal I kind of, death metal kind of got a little bit boring for me because it, it was always just like every single band's just trying to sound like Cannibal Corpse, you know? But nowadays, um, people are doing like, I think they're calling it like dissonant um, death metal and stuff like that. There's this band called like Burial that just came out with an album last year. And the name is really long of the album and I can't remember it, but... I've been listening to that like a ton and that is a really cool album and it just covers so many different soundscapes. Uh, it's just, Oh, atmospheric death metal. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Do you know where Burial is from? Um, I don't know where they're from. No, I don't know where they're from. All I know is I bought their CD and their t-shirt when their album came out, <laughs> but I don't know where they're from. Probably from the States. I would imagine. Let's see if I can figure this out. And then Fistula, are they from the States? They are from Ohio in the States, I believe. Cool. I'm looking at the right page then. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Fistula is so good. There's one song that they had. It was called um, 
the time we bought dope from the cops <laughs> and it used to be on YouTube and that's where I used to listen to it. And it got taken down and like, it was, it's like one of my favorite songs and you can't find it anymore. Pisses me <laughs> off. It was, uh, Fistula does, they're like a really busy band and they put out a ridiculous amount of like splits with, with different bands, like every single year, like this year alone, I think they've, I don't know how many splits they've put out, probably like three splits yeah, and also released an album. And the guys from that band also have like a bunch of other projects that all released albums this year too. Like those are some seriously busy guys. And, uh, I kind of look up to those guys because like, I, I also want to just like release nonstop material all the time. And yeah, those guys are doing it. And I just wish I could do it the same as them. <laughs> they're, they're busy. Like those guys do a lot of stuff. I think you'll get there. I mean, you already have three projects and you still have time for yourself. So if you wanted to do that, I'm sure you could. I was chatting with Gary Brents from Gone Mage and he's kind of the same. Like he's just involved with so many different projects and continuously putting out music. But like you, I think he has a, like an inherent need to do so. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It just, if I don't have something getting released, I just feel like I'm wasting my time almost. Well, and you're doing something productive too. It's not like you're just sitting around and like binging Netflix or watching movies all the time. It's like you need to be doing something that, I don't know, I guess that could bring, obviously that brings joy to people's lives. But for me, it just seems like sitting on the couch and that is something I consider to be destroying my brain. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's lots of times where I'll like get into like video games and stuff like that. And I won't even touch my guitar for like two months other than like band practice and stuff like that. Like I won't write anything new. And as soon as I get home from work, I just go downstairs and I just vegetabilize. Like I got into uh, back into Destiny 2, and that that game is a total complete life stealer. Like because you're continuously like grinding out trying to get better guns that have the special perks and stuff like that on them, and it's just oh that game is a life stealer. I was uh, I think I probably played it for like three months straight. Like I did nothing. And I didn't record anything and like, ugh, just disgusting. <laughs> I got out of it though. I deleted it. <laughs> That's one of the best ways to do it. I have the same issue sometimes yeah. with video games. Like I'll, I'll play it for quite a bit of time for a few weeks or maybe even a month, but then I won't even touch the PlayStation for like a month or two. I think like sometimes you just need to, if you have a busy life or if you have a lot of things going on, you just kind of have to withdraw from that to kind of reset and restabilize. Oh, for sure. For sure you do, because it's so easy just to neglect everything that you have to do and just go downstairs and or wherever you have your machine and just play video games nonstop. But like, totally, I put so much stuff off to the side. Like, I won't even pay my bills or anything. Like, I just won't care about anything. And then all of a sudden, everything all kind of piles on all at once. And I'm like, man, I got to get my shit together and stop playing video games. <laughs> well, and the bigger the list gets, the less you want to do it. You're like, okay, I have this, this, and this to do. A week later, you'll have double that. And you're like, ah, yeah. fuck it, I'll just keep playing. <laughs> yeah, it gets nasty. Jarrett, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I appreciate you joining me for the, this episode. And do you have any other plans for releasing music this year with Discarded Self? Uh, totally. I actually just recorded some vocals on another single what i'm gonna do is that i like suffering single that i put out 
I'm just going to record a couple more songs and it's going to be the I Like Suffering EP and I'm just going to keep adding them to the to the Bandcamp page. And then once it's full, I'll probably just put, send out like a million download codes for free and I'll just send them around to everybody. That's really cool. Awesome. But that should be pretty soon. And even just today before we got on and we were talking here, I was recording because I got a recording studio in my basement and uh, I was just recording some destroy my brain songs. And I just, I just finished recording one. I did the guitars and the bass to this new one. It's just like really slow and like super heavy. I'm pretty pumped. It turned out pretty good. So hopefully there's some new destroy my brain stuff coming up soon here too. Awesome. I'll definitely keep my ears peeled and same with ashes as well. I really enjoyed your guys' album. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks man. I'm, I'm hoping to also have an ashes one fairly soon. Um, our singer at loud as hell, that was his very last show with us. He's, uh, he's left the band now. That sucks. And, uh, I can't say who, but we, we got somebody new. So, uh, we're probably going to be doing some shows sometime soon with our, with our new guy. And then hopefully soon to follow after that, hopefully we'll have a new ashes album. I'm really hoping that happens sooner than later. That would be awesome. If you guys do make it to the Calgary area, even if it's not in the city, and if I'm available, of course, I'd love to see you guys play again. Oh, we'd love to play Calgary. We haven't we haven't been to Calgary yet. We haven't played Saskatoon yet. So those are definitely both on the, the list of things to do shortly, sooner than later. And just before we wrap things up here, for anybody looking for your music for any of your three bands, is Bandcamp the best place to find it for you guys as far as support goes? Uh, yeah, Bandcamp. Our stuff is everywhere. Like uh, Bandcamp, if you want to actually buy any merch or anything like that, we sell all of our stuff on Bandcamp. But if you just want to stream it, it's all on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. I'm pretty sure all three of those projects are on all of those streaming platforms. So if you want to check it out, just get on the streaming platform and search us up. Awesome. Thanks again, Jarrett. I appreciate your time. Okay, right on. Thanks a lot, Jeff, for having me. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.